Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Prague Report podcast interview. This is Roy. My guests today on this episode are Pontus Akesson and Johan Westerlund from the Swedish band Moon Safari. Prague Nick and I got a chance to speak to them about their new album, Him Labakan Volume 2, which is out on December 8th. The first single, Between the Devil and Me, is out now, so please check it out. But before we get started, just a reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts, ParkReport.com, and follow us on all our socials. And now our chat with Moon Safari. Uh, well, good. Good to have you guys on. Um, we, uh, you know, I, have you guys met Nick before? He's been on all the cruises and uh, uh, he's a very big fan. We've met on the cruises, guys. How are you? Hi. Right? Very good. good. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Very yeah, cool. Sure. We're, we're great. Um, well, excited to have you guys on uh, to talk about the new album. Now, a lot of what you guys have is very, very Swedish, including the album title. So pronounce the album title correctly for everybody. Okay. Himla. <laughs> yeah, I can do it. Himlabacken. There you go. Himlabacken. Yeah, which yeah. means Himlabacken. Heaven Hill, right? Yeah. 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 So we want him, to uh, him Labakian. Did you get that? Yes, that's perfect. Thank you. I, I mean, I'm going to say it, but better coming from you guys. Uh, so when we get started, uh, the new album uh, comes out on December 8th. There's a first single out now as we're doing this called uh, Between the Devil and Me. It's fantastic. If you haven't heard the single yet, it is absolutely outstanding. And uh, one of the best songs uh, I think we've all heard this year. Uh, guys, before we wow. get started, honestly, I think coming from Nick and I both, this album has blown us away. Um, really, if it if if it took ten years to make this kind of record, you should take ten years to make every record, because <laughs> honest to goodness, thank you. It is it is absolutely breathtaking and uh, fantastic, Nick. I mean, I'm sure you agree. Oh well, I had the honor of writing the review for the Prog Report. So uh, wait to okay. see what I had to say about that. But guys, really, uh, I can only echo what Roy has said. I'm utterly blown away by it. I've been a Moon <laughs> Safari fan forever since my kids were born. And I want you to know I used to play My Little Man to, to my son. But um, I, I'm already sharing this album because I've, I've, I've had a preview from, from Roy uh, with my kids mm. already. And uh, it's just fantastic. Everybody's going to love it. Congratulations. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Lovely so, to hear. I want to uh, go ahead and get started here with some questions for you guys. So, uh, you know, before we get into the new album, for people that maybe aren't aware, because it has been 10 years, maybe we have some new new fans of Prague and what we do that aren't familiar with the band. So, uh, you know, Johan, maybe you can give uh, a little bit of a history of the band, you know, where how you guys got started and, and, uh, how you got to this point. So, so, and also the name Moon Safari, tell us about that. Well, the name Moon Safari just, uh, I think me and Petter were probably around 16, 17. And uh, I just saw the end of an MTV video, which obviously was air and Moon Safari. You had that little blob in the, right. in the bottom of the picture. And just, I just rem remember that name. I didn't think too much about the music. And then I mentioned that name to Petter and then it's, that was four or five years or three years at least before we started the band. So it just st stuck with us. Like if we're going to start a band, we, we should call it this. Like that. Right. It is yeah. A name. 
and then googling just, you guys is a problem because it, it, every time you google moon safari air comes up right yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> but in it in, i don't know in, in i don't know event, if it was a, yeah i don't know if it was good or bad but uh our next album is gonna be called air yeah <laughs> there you go there that you would go. be or great, in swedish yeah. in swedish called luft luft <laughs> luft luft yeah as as in lufthansa so yeah yeah, yeah. Luft. air there you go so so let's just talk about that 10 years i mean um simon left and came back um you guys have all become dads in the meantime i think and uh, there have been lineup changes. Do you want to tell us uh, a little bit more about the 10 years that we've all been so eagerly anticipating this album and uh, why it took that amount of time? What has happened in the meantime? Yeah, actually, I could actually take this one because I, I was thinking about it after we talked to, to Prague. And I, re I remember uh, not explaining it that well. When you sort of break it down, those 10 years sort of, makes sense in a way it's like if you just yeah. take out uh just i just go back to spring of 2020 when we were supposed to go on cruise to the edge and that got cancelled because of the pandemic right. we we had three songs already finished mixed then but with a different guy uh, and then we all decided that we have to we have to try aim higher with the mix and we got in contact with Rich Mauser and, and that after that happened that same spring and we started, you know, um, working on it. But we, we were sort of on our way uh, and we sort of, <laughs> we stopped. So, so I mean, it's been, been, a, been a lot of that, you know, just sort of, we could have released it in 2017, but then we, you know, added a few songs and we took out another song and it was, but yeah, that, that was I, one I, of the things. Like 2020, we could have done it then. So it would have been out in 2020. We sort of, once the pandemic hit and everything just kind of shut down, we also shut down for a while. Yeah. And, and, yeah. It's, and the, the 2014, 2015, when, when Tobias left and we didn't really know how to proceed, uh, that year just kind of got lost to nothing. Or 2015. And and 2017, when Simon wanted to quit, it's just you know a year in our lives right now. Sort of the 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 little time that we actually have for the band, you know, uh, sort of means that a year can go by really fast. Right, uh, Pontus, sure. you sure. you had you had something to add to it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing that yeah we could we could release it earlier, but. I think we all thought that we we can do better than this, so we we held on it. I think uh, we have we have some some quality, but I think we all have agreed on that this next album is gonna be the best, and so we we didn't. What say man, tumma på. We didn't. Uh, we didn't uh, compromise. Compromise anything. We didn't yeah. compromise. We didn't compromise yeah. anything. So we we just left it there. Let's let the time go and uh, yeah. Well, I think yeah, we, we found, found ourselves in the in 
yeah, Look, it paid. Yeah. It, paid it paid off. Whatever, whatever happened happened for a reason, I guess, and it worked. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit more about um, the continuation of the themes from Himmelbach in Volume One. Now it's Himmelbach in Volume Two. Um, what was the songwriting process? I know, I know, I know. Some of the songs are longer standing in in history, and some of the songs are more recent. But did you go into the songwriting with a specific idea of continuation of the Himmlerback and Volume One theme, or was there a different idea? I think uh, lyrically, we just sort of it's a loose theme, Himmlerback, and it's more, you know, it's it's a little bit about. The, our home village and it's about our upbringing and uh, uh, romanticizing the past in a way but it's I think it's quite it's hard to say exactly how much we of that we carry to the second one but we did I think we we've we've written the best lyrics we've ever written on this one it's more mature the the themes for the songs are quite distinct from each other and they all carry some sort of meaning for us and I suppose they yeah. did that on volume one too, but it's more a collection of stories from our lives and stories from, yeah, stories from our lives, basically on, on, on volume one and two. Uh, some are more uh, based in reality than others, like Mega Moon or Mega Moon was not, it's more of a fantastical story. But um, on the new album, a song like Between the Devil and Me really has a personal touch when it's really about Simon's when he wanted to leave the band. And uh, the way we processed that and we got back together and wrote that and sort of it flew off the page, the words for that one. And, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird because some of the songs are from uh, Forever For You has an early demo version from 2010, I think. Oh, wow. And then a couple of the tracks are 2014, one or two from 2016, 2017. Um, some shorter, uh, shorter one you know, later. So it's really hard to say how much we carried, uh, but we've definitely connected in a few reoccurring themes. We, we used some of the best stuff, themes that were under... Um, that we didn't use enough or that we didn't um, put out as prominently on volume one we wanted to use for volume two and uh, yeah. yeah what do you say Pontus yeah they they are uh, they are uh, hints about volume one in volume two musically yeah. wise but and I think, you... that, uh, oh, I think that I think that the volume two is continuing like if volume one were when we were kids, like volume two is when we were grown up somehow. And yeah. of course it's getting a bit darker then. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about the, the, the actual yeah. writing musically though? How how take a between the devil and me for example, which has been around a few years now, um, but it's a really ex like expansive song. There's a lot of parts, a lot of stuff going into it, a lot of changes. Where does a song like that start, and how much does it go through before it got to this final version? Well, there was a demo version of that song that that Simon did 
in 2014. So when we got together to start collecting the songs for volume two, early 2014, that was on there. But the only things that are left are basically the theme from the ending, the end part, and uh, the chorus, I think. Uh, after that, it was not until 2017, when, after he wanted to quit, he, and he didn't quit, and we got together in the studio, and basically we talked about what was the worst things about his situation, and we knew we had that demo song, but it had more potential. So then we rewrote that and just got a new verse bridge to fit in with that chorus and then mixed in another part that became the verses where Heather now is singing, like from the band to Simon uh, in the track. Oh, okay. But that, that came together quite easily when we, when we just found that key, how we wanted to, when we wrote the verses and we got a different type of, uh, beat to it and a different uh, energy in it everything else kind of flew you know once you get up to a certain energy level in a song it's really easy to carry on with it you just sort of have to find the key to get there after that we had the three four different parts that we can tweak and make variations on to get us to that 10 minute song that you right sort of trying to i i love the the sort of retro 80s feel on a lot of the songs that that one has that a lot and it's, but it's done so, yeah. so cool. Um, it's just so much fun. Another part of another song that I wanted to ask about was in the long, uh, the 20 minute song, Teen Angel, um, which is amazing. It also goes through a million different things. But the part that I love is the middle, that is the uh, London Bridge part, that is uh, just completely just funny and, and, and joyous and just a, a trip. Um, but talk about that part. Where did that come from, and and the idea to put that in there? Uh, Pontus, if you want, you want to take that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think actually it's come. It comes from a theme that Simon had from many years ago, like the the first theme that comes up, like right. when it's like a Lydian. Uh, tone scale uh, and then if you change the nose a little bit and put it in a, a major scale it sounds like London Bridge so I guess I guess the Petter heard that and, and come up with the lyrics about just that or was it? It wasn't you, you were? No, that was not me. That's Petter. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. uh, like, it's first. Na, 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 na. And then it's. Na, 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 na. It's different, but quite the same anyway. Clever. Um, but in a different. I don't know how how to explain this, but. No, I got it. It's, it, it, it's smart. I mean, it's really cool. And it's. Uh... It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard the song. The album. Yeah, yeah. It's very, London very Bridge is falling down, and London Bridge is falling down. Yeah, you get you get the the um, the hints of it. 
Um, just going back to to between the devil and me, you guys mentioned uh, that that it's got a personal resonance for Simon. You can actually hear um, because it's it, it's got a darker, heavier, heavier tone to it than than some of your previous stuff. But you can actually hear when he delivers his lead vocal that it means something to him personally. You know, his voice reaches another level on this one. I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, we chose to do the the demo had uh, the all the vocals on the chorus um, in falsetto or like the harmonies, and we, we tried to do it for him to sing that in a full voice. And also the, the bridge was a really simple thing that we came up with. Just try to use a couple of simple phrases and uh, for him to just sing it. You know, it's really simple. So it's not hard to. You don't have to do it in a technical way really it's more power yeah okay so so heaven hill uh volume one himmelbuck and volume one um more about your childhoods heaven hill himmelbuck and volume two more about you guys as adults um most of you guys are young fathers today are are, are those themes which seem to me to permeate the album uh, very important drivers for the lyrics in this particular album? Well, for a track like uh, A Lifetime to Learn How to Love, where Pontus wrote all the music and uh, Petter wrote the lyrics, that's basically a, a, a message to uh, your your kid about how to think about and how to, you know, how to be all the obstacles and all the things that are going to come up in terms of love later in life. So that's definitely really connected to that. Uh, I want you, um, I want you guys yeah. to know that, that uh, I've played that song to both my kids. I've not shared it because <laughs> everything's watermarked, <laughs> but I want you to know that I, I've played that song to both my kids and it has resonated personally with all three of us. I want you to know that. Mm. That's, oh, yeah, it's one of my favorites great. on the album. It's uh, man, it's just a beautiful song. Amazing. Thank you. You also have the <clears throat> the the ending epilogue. Uh, it's uh, the the one that's in Swedish. That's Peter's a very beautiful uh, little hymn that he wrote. That, that which definitely encapsulates everything about uh, where we grew up and and you know feeling young and. Just a very yeah. poetic, nice thing that he wrote. It's it's, it's uh, actually we have to... yeah, it's actually a scene from when we all graduated every summer from the church, uh, like the the summer break <clears throat> from uh, school. Yeah, from school. Yeah, yeah, and we grew, we all grew up in the same same village, uh, and we all know that feel that magical feeling when you're oh, uh, uh, in, in in a minute i gotta have summer break and then you sit you sit in the church and you have the school ending stuff going on and uh yeah the uh the last epilogue is like what it sounds like when we were one minute before uh, going to the sp uh, spring break, summer break. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, 
there's also you talked about it having a, a, a little bit of a heavier, darker side. Uh, you have a, a ex Black Bonzo drummer, Michael Israelson, playing with you guys. Um, talk about that and what that had, uh, what effect that had on some of the music, also. You can take that one, Pontus. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think that had really um, good impression on us because uh, he he's very. Um, what do you say? He is very. Yeah, he's a really, really good producer mm -hmm. and like he's really musical. He's he's actually a, a pianist or. A, synthesizer guy uh so it's really really is a musical guy but he is um yeah he he likes he likes of course the more low end heavy stuff like it has to be a like oh it's gonna be a punch in your stomach like um yeah, yeah so he he brought he brought that into us i guess I mean, we, I have to also... he's so tight. His double kick patterns are so are, are so precise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a really, really good drummer. Really tight. Really easy to play uh, with. But but you have to remember. I mean, we've been seeing him as a drummer from maybe around two thousand. I think it was two thousand and four, where he he went over from playing keyboards for the band Black Bonzo to playing drums. Yeah, yeah, and I I remember around twenty two thousand and seven they released their second out second album and they really put the drums in front in the mix and you could really hear yeah. how he he drove the music forward he he he, he in a way that uh, I haven't heard many drummers do that he, he's not resting yeah. he's sort of um, he's really he can really create a big sound with his drums which is the first yeah. time we rehearsed with him as well you can just sort of feel the kick drum. <laughs> In a different way yeah and he, and he yeah. doesn't play loud just to play loud he plays it distinctly and he keeps he keeps the cymbals to a minimum and and the way he tunes his drums and everything he's a really good yeah. drummer you, you sort of hear the difference when he um, yeah black Ponzo when they ended the band and, and they moved on to play uh as another band called gin lady you could tell the difference that it's not the same band anymore he really defined their sound with his yeah, yeah. the pressure he put on the music in a way so it's yeah yeah but yeah. yeah and i think musically he you can you can be a guy that's like melodies and harmonies or you can be a, a guy that likes drum and bass it's like the right. opposite and I, I mean the the modern music today is like only drum and bass you hear, you hear the cars driving by like and, and that's the only thing that the kids are listening to <laughs> uh, the we moon safari were I, I guess we all were like the melody and the harmonies and i guess michael uh contributed with the <laughs> the drum and bass in a very musical way to contribute yeah, to the yeah, moon safari harmonies and vocals and stuff yeah yeah okay so johan pontus <laughs> i'm a big fan of the band not only studio wise but live 
as well. Um, and I've seen yeah. you guys several times on Cruise to the Edge, and I do not miss a Moon Safari gig on Cruise to the Edge ever. Even when you guys got blown off the outside stage by the wind and you ended up inside. Um, so I, I've got to ask you this question. I mean, I, I know this question is probably de rigueur for you guys, but those harmonies are just next level. You do some of the verses in five-part harmony. Um, sometimes you guys do six-part harmony. Um, it, it's it's kind of, to me, almost more jazz than it is rock or pop in terms of the arrangements. But, of course, we've got to ask you this question. How do you guys come up with those vocal arrangements? How do the vo vocal setups work? Um, I mean, you've got tonal scales going on all over the place there. Is it? T1 Simon, T2 Petter, T3 yourself, Pontus, uh, uh, T4 Johan, uh, or, or <laughs> are you the back? How do you work out those those harmonies? Is it all is it all just Simon, or, or do you guys work together on that? Uh, I think we have to get all the arrangement all to Simon there. Yeah, he is the the mastermind in that. Uh, it's like we we say like ooh, we we hear a party and then then like oh here it should should be a like five or four part harmony stuff. Can you do it like? Can it sound like Queen or can it sound like uh, Moon Safari or can it sound like just three part? And he he's like he he's just closing his eyes and then went silent for a minute. I think he's playing the piano. He looks exactly like this. <laughs> and then like a minute later, he has the arrangement. So it, mm. it's um, no one understands, actually. It's his, think... his, sick, his sick brain. <laughs> yeah, he's got a sick brain. <laughs> the first times, the first couple of, couple of albums, when we were in the studio, um, in the control room and he he went out to the mic you could see him in the through the glass and he he just needed a couple of minutes for a certain section and then he could put down all the four or five harmonies just uh, he just sort of one take after another they were in his head as long as he figured out the arrangement it was it was magic to see for someone who, who didn't come from that background at all yeah yeah, I actually wish everyone to see what they hear on the album, to see how we do it in the studio when Simon is working is incredible, actually. You should put well, out actually, some of that a making this, off would be a great stuff, idea. Yeah. What's that? I, I mean, you guys really should do a making off to, to yeah, show yeah. us the way video yeah. processes. Yeah. He's, I think he's, we've yeah, we like, it's true that his influences go way back beyond and before the Beatles, right? To vocal groups that influenced perhaps the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we, we're grown up with, we're three brothers in the band. Um, our father's favorite vocal, he, he is very into vocal groups and stuff. His favorite arranger was named Gene Perling. Um, and he um, he wrote a lot of crazy jazz arrangements before its time. It's like in the fifties, 
very crazy and but totally correct like uh theoretically uh what do you say uh theoretically or... yeah theoretically um and um uh yeah he was he was a genius and si- that simon's influence as well and uh, that's also brian wilson's influence right um so many people say that we sound like yeah beach boys on prog yeah that's what uh, i told people <laughs> yeah yeah but i i guess that's why we have the same main influence because we we're not actually that influenced by the beach boys i would say more more the beatles in that case but uh i guess we have, i guess we have the same main influence you've kind of gone on record once before i think in a, in an interview that i mm. that i read as saying that you're not really a progressive rock band but you just like the sort of embracing and acceptance that that comes within within the progressive rock genre and from progressive rock fans um of the length the depth the complexity of your music and that you don't actually categorize yourselves necessarily as a prog band uh, I, i've always seen you as a prog band uh, sorry we've got we've got power outages here so yeah. forgive me if i'm in the dark um but don't <laughs> worry my internet's time. not going down Roy. yeah yeah i've got a i've, I've got an inverter um so i i just wanted to ask you um uh, can you elaborate on 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 that perception that you're not a prog band per se I think when we when we started the band, we were definitely into uh, Genesis, yes, Pink Floyd, listening to a lot of prog, but also stuff like Jellyfish. The Beatles were always there in the background. So Super Tramp, different stuff, but, but which some of those bands sometimes uh, sound just like a prog band. You wouldn't be able to say it's not or that it is so but i don't think we mind being called a progressive rock band or a prog band <clears throat> it's it's served us well to be in this genre we have met so many amazing people and i wouldn't wouldn't want to criticize that that label there's a lot of great prog that we love but we're not if you list, if you ask simon to name 10 prog songs he, he couldn't do it so in that sense <laughs> We're not really, <laughs> we're not really a prog band that way. A couple of us were really into that, and we, we had ways of uh, pitching ideas and uh, also, you know, thinking thematically about albums in a certain way that made it more prog. Uh, but I wouldn't say that the whole band like that formed as a prog band. It was just, it could have been, could have sounded like. Could have sounded like Super Tramp or 10CC uh, with shorter songs, which we did make a couple of shorter songs in the beginning that never got on the first album. They were yeah. cut by uh, Thomas Boudin. He, he felt we should keep it quite uh, a clean progressive rock uh, album, the first one, which made a lot of sense. But And we haven't really made any pure pop stuff since then either. Yeah, 
Uh, we didn't ask you guys about working with Rich Mauser, which we we should have asked about. But how did you get in touch with Rich and and uh, you know talk about what he did with the record? Because the album, all, on top of the songs being amazing, it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I don't think I don't know how we did we did we like search up where. Uh, albums we liked who who has mixed mixed these albums right. um, no, no it was 2017 yeah. we were in uh we, we played uh Rossfest and neil moore's band was there yeah, and yeah. i think they, they, they were supposed to play the the day after but they were there and i think he saw us play or at least he came to the after party that night and uh, we were singing some harmonies or something like that and then we talked to him then and we ex exchanged contact and and after that it was only a couple of years after that when we started uh started uh, mixing the first track with him and then it took like six months until we did the other one and then it took another three <laughs> months for the third one and but so that was 2017 when he so that was nice to get a face. Otherwise, I don't think we would have gone down that road unless we'd actually met him. Yeah, he seemed uh, into, into the same stuff in a way. Well, the album does sound fat. Lots of bottom end, lots of clarity, lots of separation, and pretty proggy, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hate to tell you guys. It definitely sounds like a prog record to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's. nobody's uh, um, so unfortunately, you guys aren't on the next cruise to the edge, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, would have loved mm. to have seen some of this stuff live on there. But um, are you planning some shows? Is there is there a tour going to happen around this? Do you think you'll make it to the states or, or a future cruise or something so we can see some of this new material? Oh yes, I mean we. I think we, we we talked about we wanted to get the focus was getting the album out, getting the music out, and then seeing where it took us in a way, because we, we kind of felt like if we booked too many shows ahead of the the album released, and we did a tour just around the release, we wouldn't we probably get a lot more people in through the doors if we do it a bit later. Uh, and I think, <clears throat> considering the reactions to the album so far, I think it'd be, it's good to not play right away when it's released because we're going to grow as a band with this album and probably get more money uh, from promoters or uh, venues and stuff. So better deals all around. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. We've got some, some stuff lined up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, guys... Uh... It's it's just such a great record. I can't wait for people to finally hear the whole thing. It comes out on December eighth. I think December sixth in Japan. I think supposedly. Um, yeah. Himmelbach in Volume Two. Um, Nick, you got any final words on this thing? Yeah, I just want to say that um, for me, Swedish progressive rock is just astounding. Continues to take my breath away. And for me, guys, after this album, my feelings are entrenched that you are one of the three most important progressive rock bands that has come out of Sweden. Uh, and really nothing more to say than that. Congratulations. This is a fantastic album. Everybody get a copy. You will not be sorry. 
Well, where can people get the yeah. record? You have a bunch of links. I mean, can, where can they find out all the information on, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, on your website? What's the main place to send people? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and also now Pontus set up a TikTok, which we haven't really started using yet. But it's oh. it's all uh, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. Yeah, it's for the kids. Yeah, hey, yeah. Get, listen, get on TikTok and start showing how you do those vocal harmonies and let people see it. <laughs> I go. think that's what will what will set yeah. people, uh, uh, you know, excited about it. Um, yeah, but just search Moon Safari Official on uh, Facebook or um, Instagram or TikTok. It should, yeah, TikTok, show TikTok is the same, Moon Safari Official, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Great. Well, Good. again, bravo, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Speak soon. Thank Bye, you very guys. much. Bye, everybody. Hey. Thanks to Pontus and Johan for the interview. Don't forget the first single, Between the Devil and Me, from the new album, Himla Bakken Volume 2, is out now. So please check it out. And the album will be out on December 8th. So keep an eye out for it. For upcoming news, reviews, interviews, and more, check out progreport.com. Follow us on all our socials, wherever you get your podcasts, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks. <laughs>